0: Everybody, happy end of the first half of the season and All-Star Weekend, or I guess All-Star Sunday this year. Um, Today's show, we're going to talk about All-Star Weekend here in a little bit. Uh, we're going to open with a few Wolves notes related to actually a little bit related to All-Star Weekend, as well as the Kevin Garnett ownership story that's out there. There's a Sham Sharania rumor over at The Athletic about uh, play, a couple of players that Timberwolves might be interested in. So we'll talk about all that. And then I want to get into the Carl Anthony Towns discussion that I I, I promised on Thursday, which is basically uh, B-Ball Index has some brand new numbers um, and statistics that they've released over the past couple of weeks. So I want to dive into Towns' first half of the season so far, what some of those numbers say. A lot of it kind of confirming what we know about Towns as a talented offensive player, but nonetheless, interesting to see how his numbers stack up against the rest of the league. And then we'll wrap up with some All-Star break predictions. I'll get my predictions on skills competition, three-point competition, and the dunk contest as well, and who I think will win each of those and and get runner-up as well. Um, So that'll be the show today. Pretty full show here as we lead into All-Star. Next week, we'll have... uh, I'll do a crossover podcast with Matt Shook of Lockdown Pistons. We're going to talk Wolves-Pistons, the two league's worst two teams, and what each team is looking for out of the second half of the season. That'll be next week. Of course, Monday, we'll also talk about everything that happens on All-Star Sunday. So still a lot of content coming up. The Timberwolves don't play until next Thursday. That's now uh, six days away, um, but there's still plenty to talk about in the meantime. All right, before we get into everything, a quick reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get podcasts. That includes iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter, at Locked on T-Wolves. That's at Locked on T-Wolves. Don't forget the T. And at B-Beacon. It's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Okay, Um, so the first note related to All-Star Weekend is that Anthony Edwards was named to, I don't know, the honorary Rising Stars roster um, for the U.S. There isn't a game this year. Obviously, due to COVID nineteen and the lack of a true All Star weekend, so there's you know this is the main casualty of that um, in terms of actual events happening. There's obviously a lot of things that are different about this uh, this All Star Sunday this year, uh, but there's no actual Rising Stars game in recent years. Of course, that's been the U S team against the World Team. Josh Akogi participated the last couple of years. Um, this year, the the Wolves would have had Anthony Edwards participate as part of the U S team. He would have been on the team. Um, according to the 20 man rosters released by, or the, the 20 total players, 10 man rosters for the U S and the world released by the NBA. Notable that Jarrett Culver is not on this list. He, the, the 20 players is actually eight rookies and 11 sophomores. And then, um, Michael Porter Jr. who's technically a third year player was included because he didn't play as a rookie. Um, so of the 11 sophomores picture Jarek Culver was not selected. Not a surprise, of course, he's missed a lot of this year and hasn't been good what he played, but still, he was the number six pick in last year's draft. So I think it's notable that he would not have been on this list. So uh, also, you know, not a surprise that the number one overall pick who's second in scoring in terms of per game, scoring uh, points per game wise, that he would be selected to this game, but still uh, worth a mention that, that's, that uh, that's an honor that he gets to add to to his list of accolades. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is the Kevin Garnett story that's out. This came out really Thursday afternoon that Kevin Garnett actually announced it himself. He posted on Instagram and I'm paraphrasing now, but basically that he found out that the process in trying to acquire the Timberwolves is over for him and his group. And then he said, this is direct. He said, thanks Glenn for being yourself and what I know you to be. Um, goes on to talk about how, uh, he throws in a, uh, not hurt, just disappointed. So there's there's that, um, but basically just saying he was informed that that the that he was no longer in the running to buy the Timberwolves. Of course, if you missed this last summer, right after Glenn Taylor, it came out that he was willing to sell the team. Garnett posted on social media that he was putting a group together to try and buy. All we'd heard since then is that there were some venture capitalists, some investors that he was getting involved um, that would have to be billionaires if this team's going to sell for 1.2 to 1.4 plus billion. Garnett, of course, doesn't have that kind of money, but would have been the face of a potential ownership group and wanted to be you know, boots on the ground involved if he were to be part of a group. And there was, there was word that he did have some investors and, and then now apparently he's no longer involved. Shortly after that came out, John Krasinski at The Athletic put out an article. He talked to Glenn Taylor on the phone, and Taylor actually said, um, here's the direct quote. This is via John Krasinski at The Athletic. He said, quote, uh, Taylor said, quote, Kevin never contacted me at all saying that he was interested, nor was his name listed on any of the buying groups that asked for financial information to review. So stop me if you've heard this before, but Glenn Taylor and Kevin Garnett are each saying that the other one did something that they're each saying they didn't do. Um, Garnett's claiming that Taylor told him he was no longer a candidate despite being a serious candidate, according to KG. And Taylor's saying that Garnett was never involved in any way in any sort of bid to buy the team. So this isn't the first time this has happened. Neither of these guys can bury bury the hatchet, if you will. And it's it's ugly and it's sad. And And I've talked on this podcast before about how disappointed it is that the only legitimate, you know, Hall of Fame, obviously Hall of Fame caliber player to play for the Timberwolves. And the, you know, the Wolves have made the playoffs once in 17 years since Kevin Garnett played for the team the first time around. And of course they made the playoffs in uh, I think seven straight years with Garnett on the team. The fact that they can't even retire his jersey and that the second time around in Minnesota went down in flames is just just really sad. Uh, so this continues. Uh, it's it's weird. You'd think both these guys would be motivated to make this work. Garnett obviously is motivated. Taylor, there's no reason why he wouldn't want to make something work. I mean, they, what what is there positive to say about the franchise right now? They're seven and 29. They just fired their coach. Their second and third best players are out. They're, you know, Beasley suspended and, and Towns is unhappy. And obviously everything, you know, that Towns has been through in the last year and being unable to sell the team when he wanted to previously uh, Taylor, at least unable to sell it to a group that would keep the team in Minnesota. So you'd think that both these guys would be motivated to figure something out that hasn't happened. It doesn't look like it's about to happen. And if you're waiting for Kevin Garnett's Jersey to be retired in Minnesota, I think you have to wait until there's a new owner who also will not be Kevin Garnett. There's not really much else to say about this because these guys, it's just a, he said, he said, finger pointing situation. And, and it's, it's uh, it's sad. It is um, that the Timberwolves can't get out of their own way in this sense either. Um, the last thing I want to mention here off the top is the Shams Shirani article at The Athletic. Shams put together a list of teams that he's hearing things about related to the trade deadline, which is upcoming on March 25th. And the Wolves were one of the, I don't know, six or so teams he talked about. And there's a quick blurb. I'll just read it directly. Of course, The Athletic, you need a subscription over there, but um, this is a short, a short paragraph. So Shams says... Minnesota has shown interest in power forwards around the league, including Atlanta's John Collins and Orlando's Aaron Gordon, sources said. Both players have significant asking prices in the marketplace. The Timberwolves had substantive conversations with the Magic on Gordon prior to his severe ankle sprain last month, sources said, and those talks are expected to resume as he nears his return to the floor. So both these are are players that I've talked about a lot here at at uh, Lockdown Wolves over the past year, roughly a year ago, or I guess now closer to thirteen months ago, because the deadline's obviously later this year. Aaron Gordon was a hot name around the Timberwolves around the time they traded away Robert Covington in that fourteen deal, and then in a separate deal acquired Daniel Russell, and in another deal acquired James Johnson. Uh, they were very busy last year, and Aaron Gordon was the biggest name that wasn't traded that that was that the Timberwolves were in some way linked to. And at the time I was kind of wishy-washy on the Wolves actually acquiring him. I talked myself into it over the, the COVID induced break in the summer. I had a couple episodes where I talked about Aaron Gordon, the potential fit with the Timberwolves. And I do think that, that he would work. He's improved as a defender. I think he's switchable enough. He's certainly athletic enough. My only concern is he's still not a guy who can consistently knock down threes. And, and that continues to be a major issue for the Timberwolves who are of course, bottom five in the league in three point percentage and, and, their attempts per game are suddenly ratcheting back up after being really low early in the season. Not really low, but low compared to where they have been in recent years. Um, so, I, you know, that's my main concern with Gordon. I do think that he could be had, the the price to trade for Gordon is probably a little higher than it is to trade for Collins. The problem with Collins, and, and I actually like Collins more as a fit, I think he's a better player, um, all things considered, is that you're going to have to pay him something close to a max deal. He turned down an extension offer from the Hawks. He wants to get paid. I don't think he is a max player. The Wolves already have one of those guys in D'Angelo Russell who, even at his best, probably is not worth a max contract, is John Collins. I, I think that there's some similarities there in terms of um, they can make an argument for being max players, but their lack of production defensively, mostly, and then, and then uh, at least in D'Angelo Russell's case, occasionally some inefficient offense is what holds them back from truly being max players. But at any rate, back to Aaron Gordon. So his contract is is pretty palatable at this point. Um, once we get through this year, he's got a eighteen point one million this year, and you know we're halfway through, so roughly nine million left the rest of the season. It actually drops his cap hit next year is only sixteen point four million. It's the final year of his deal, so he's expiring after next year. So. If this is like a last ditch, let's see if this thing works and Gordon can fit with Towns and Russell and, and I don't know, you know, salary wise, that's, that's tough. It's not impossible. Um, then you've got to make the decision on extending Gordon after next year, or you trade him next year as an expiring deal and you're just shuffling deck, deck chairs again. Um, so I, you know, that's my thing is, is, do you want to overpay him after next season? But at least you've got the one other year now John Collins, on the other hand, and I don't want to get too deep into the fit in this conversation. That's as we get closer to the deadline, trust me, going to spend a lot of time talking about some of these guys, hopefully have some guests from some of the other lockdown shows to talk about their the players on their teams currently. But talk about John Collins, who's, last year was a career year. He's a little below those numbers. This year, their rotation's a little bit more loaded. They've got more talent, Danilo Gallinari, among others. They also just fired their coach in Atlanta. Um, but Collins' contract, after this year, he becomes a free agent and he's looking for a max contract or something close to it, which is surely going to be more, no matter what, he's going to get paid more than the 16 million that Gordon's going to get paid next year. So Collins may actually not require as much because of, you know, he's going to be a free agent this year anyways. Um, So it's interesting. I think Collins is a better fit. I really like him next to towns. Gordon is a better defender. So in that sense is a better fit, but Collins is the better all around offensive player. Um, and, and I think is a better fit overall next to towns than another guy who would just as soon distribute and be a great cutter and, and, and still a good scorer in Aaron Gordon, but not an efficient outside shooter. Um, you know, this year he was at just under 37%, but he's only played in 19 games last year. He was just under 31% for his career He's 32.2% from three and he shoots them. He's willing to shoot him, Um, but he just, he's, he's kind of, I mean, he's going to average 13, 14, 15 points a game and not shoot it well from three. So the upside for Aaron Gordon is certainly lower than it is for John Collins. And also, um, you know, a, again, the outside shooting to me is the big thing. So we'll talk a lot more about Gordon. We'll talk about Collins. There's going to be plenty of rumors surrounding those guys here moving forward. So um, trust me, we'll talk a lot about them in the coming weeks. Okay, next, I want to talk about Carl Anthony Town's season so far. According to the B Ball Index numbers, which are pro- some of those proprietary statistics and kind of a one stop shop for all things analytics and uh, the numbers just got released this year, so I'm excited to, to dive into those. First, though, let's talk about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing, Baseball is right around the corner, and BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag with the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Big Ben is back in yellow and black. Is that a good thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Um, so B-Ball Index, and and I talked about this on Thursday's show back uh, really before the season. We talked a lot about those numbers when we we started getting involved on the Locked On side and got to dive into some really, really fun statistics that they put together. If you missed it earlier this week, I believe it was Wednesday's show in advance of Wolves Hornets on Wednesday night. Um, I looked at the Lamelo Ball versus Anthony Edwards so far this year. Their numbers, their profiles at Bball Index. Um, so you can go back and listen to that. But today, I just want to talk about Carl Anthony Towns and, and just how impressive he's still been, even in a season that, to this point, is already you can say a lost season for the Timberwolves. Um, so the data we're going to talk about, of course, comes from Bball Index. Their innovative data tools and 500 plus player profiles are available to you for just five bucks a month or fifty dollars a year at Bball dash or Bball hyphen Index. Dot com. Um, so the data on towns, the first thing I want to talk about is his role gravity. So talking about role gravity, it's, it's pretty simple what it is. Basically what's the impact that you have as a big, when you are the role man in the pick and roll game, our teams needing to completely alter their defensive schemes because of the gravity of your role to the basket. Um, objectively, it's really easy to say yes with Carl Anthony Towns, right? Um, he he uh, he's, he impacts the game because he can score at every single level. He's athletic enough to make a difference. He's long, he's got long strides. He's got outstanding scoring touch. So obviously he's got strong rule gravity. Still, it's important to look at these numbers and, and to give us a sense for just how impactful he is as a roller. And and to be clear, his, and we'll, to get to his uh, play types here and his points per possession in a moment. um, But his points per possession as a role man, well, good are not outstanding. So this is the, the gravity thing is a little bit interesting to me. Um, Okay. So his role impact, his role gravity, all that good stuff, his, as a role man, his role impact per 75 possessions is an A minus grade, an 85th percentile. And that's defined as the points scored per 75 offensive possessions on court from roles above or below what league average efficiency would yield. So his role impact is 85%. It's actually when, he, does, when he, he performs other actions within the pick and roll. So his pop impact per 75 possessions is 96th percentile, which is an A, of course. His slip impact when he slips the screen is 97th percentile, also an A. And, um, his ratio here. So he pops 72% of the time in, in the pick and roll game. So 19% of the time he's rolling to the basket, 72% of the time he's popping. And only 9% of the time is he's slipping the screen. Now he's more efficient as a popper. So it makes sense that he would do that 72% of the time. He's one of the best three point shooting bigs in the history of the game. And one of the best three point shooters in the game period right now, if he'd been healthy, I'm sure he would have been in the three point contest. Um, So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense, but he's also a pretty good roller, 85th percentile. He should maybe roll more than 19% of the time. I think that's fair to say. Um, So all those things are important. that, That speaks to his role gravity. There's also a metric here called roll man possessions per 75 possessions, which is basically how many scoring chances would Towns have rolling, popping, or slipping per 75 possessions. And that's 3.2 per per 75 possessions, which is 86 percentile. So it speaks to the amount of time the Wolves spend in the pick and roll game. This is, of course, over the course of the season. So it's both Brian Saunders' offense and and Chris Finch's. So I thought those numbers were interesting to kind of back up what we we can see with our eyes, that, that Carl Anthony Towns is, is effective as a pick and roll big and that under, underlines that a little bit. Um, his points per possession in different play types. I've talked about this a little bit back when Finch was first hired, so maybe a week and a half ago or so, beginning of last week. I talked a little bit about how much more often Towns would be used in the post and how good he's been in post-up situations. That remains true. He's gotten more post-ups and he actually, he's he's been pretty efficient since Finch has showed up on scene for the Timberwolves and put him in the post more often. But other teams are pretty, Posting or, excuse me, doubling Towns in the post so often. And the Wolves, even when Towns is finding open shooters, and he's turning the ball over a little bit more because he's being forced to make these decisions and he's being double and sometimes triple teamed. But open shooters are not making shots for the Timberwolves, which is what's suppressing the points per possession. Even still, in post up situations this year, Carl Anthony Towns is scoring 1.05 points per possession. That's 84th percentile, which is graded as an A minus by B ball index. So solid. Right, it's an A minus. It's it's okay. It's that's fine. It's good. Um, somewhat surprisingly, he's fifty six percentile as a pick and roll roll man. One point two six points per possession, fifty sixth percentile, which is only a C plus as a spot up player. If you go back and look at his numbers from a couple of years ago, and I did his last All Star season, so thrown out last year, go because of the uh, you know the injuries and everything. Go back two years in spot up situations, Towns wasn't very good. He was it was like point i don't know 0.7 or 0.8 points per possession which is which isn't good at all this year he's 1.06 points per possession in spot up situations that's 90th percentile also an a minus so as a spot up guy as a pick and roll guy and in post up situations especially spot up and post up he's been really really good as a roll man there's some work to be done there and and that goes back to the roll gravity that i spoke about a moment ago he's been really good when he's popping he's been really good when he's slipping and then sometimes as a roller, he's not quite as effective. And again, that's partly due to the wolf spacing. It's partly due to, again, the gravity of what towns brings as a roller. Defenses are are gearing up to try and stop Carl Anthony Towns. And that includes when they're in pick and roll game, they know that he wants to pop, um, but they're still overloading the defense to guard against the roll for Towns too. And that's, and that's you know, it's it's partly a read and react. The pick and rolls read and react on both sides of the ball. Um, and the Wolves just aren't good enough offensively to overcome um, teams committing all of their resources to stop Cat. And The Wolves haven't figured out a way around that. Now, when D'Angelo Russell comes back, D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns in the pick and roll is very different than Ricky Rubio or Jordan McLaughlin because Russell can hit threes at a much higher clip than both of those guys, and and will shoot a contested jumper um, and make it um, is willing to do that. He'll pull up in the mid range more effectively than Ricky Rubio and more often than Jordan McLaughlin. He won't go to the rim as often, but he's every bit he can be every bit as good of a passer as those guys when he's willing to pass. And so a willing Dian- a willing a willing passer version of D'Angelo Russell in the pick and roll with Towns. And then you push some of these other guys. You know Malik Beasley. If you can get him on the court, if you find another shooter somewhere, um, maybe you play Towns with Nas there's another guy who can at least hit threes at a league average rate, and you're not throwing out Culver or Ko- uh, yeah Culver or Kogi, um, Vanderbilt Rubio, the guys who who aren't league average shooters from three that's going to make a big difference in terms of spacing. And we can see these numbers rise even more for Kat. The last thing I want to mention in terms of his B-ball index numbers is his interior defense, which the eyeball test would suggest it's improved this year. And maybe he hasn't been quite as good since he came back after the COVID-19 diagnosis. And who knows if that's rust, if it's teammates, if it's a little bit less effort than he was given early in the year, or if it's something that's a lasting lingering effect from COVID-19. And I have no idea. I'm just saying those are all possibilities. But his interior defense overall this season has been really good. He's actually graded out as an A in several uh, different categories, including percentage of rim shots contested, rim contests per 75 possessions, and blocks per 75 possessions. Those are all 90th percentile or higher and graded as an A. The one thing he's really struggling at, you're struggling with, is rim deterrence, um, which is defined as a role-adjusted measure of how a player's presence on court impacts opponent's frequency of attacking the rim. Basically, The opposition isn't afraid of Carl Anthony Towns at the rim. They're still trying to go at him. He's 30th percentile, which is a D in that category. Um, Still, though, block rate on contest, that's 78th percentile. Not bad. 21.6% of the time when Towns um, contests a shot per 75 defensive possessions, he's getting, um, that's his block rate, is 21.6%. That's a B plus 78th percentile. And then also he's rated as rim defensive field goal percentage versus expected field goal percentage at the rim is 63rd percentile B minus. So mostly positive three A's, a B plus, a B minus, a D. Um, But overall, Towns has been a good rim protector over the past year and really for, for chunks of last year as well when he was healthy. And so we're seeing some of that that maturity on the defensive end of the floor, the stick to itiveness, and also this is year two in David Vanterpool's drop pick and roll coverage, and at times it looked you know like this isn't the right coverage the Wolves should be playing, but there's these flashes where Towns actually gets to the right spot on the floor, maintains the spacing defensively, um, reacts properly. He's far better at it than Nas Reed is at this point. Um, but when it works, it you understand why Vanterpool swears by drop. Coverage in the pick and roll, um, and Towns is getting much better at it. And, and even if teams aren't afraid of him at the rim, both Towns and Nasri have done a much better job blocking shots this year and, and staying on their feet and not falling for pump fakes. That's Towns has mostly stopped drawing fouls. You know, jumping on guys, falling for pump fakes. He's drawing other silly fouls, but he's improved in terms of not wildly trying to block shots um, every time down the court defensively. So that's certainly a a major improvement for Towns this year. So all that to say, these B-ball index numbers certainly support the fact that when Towns has been on the floor, he's been really good. And I get that the Wolves are like one and 11 since he's come back from injury or from COVID. Um, But I mean, look at the rest of the roster. It's not Carl Anthony Towns. He's had a couple, not stinkers. He's had a couple inefficient games. In fact, his game against Charlotte on Wednesday wasn't great. Um, But he is not the problem. And, and suggesting he's not a leader or he's not 1A on a playoff team. Those things are crazy. I mean, look at the rest of this roster. Look at the holes in the roster. Look at the guys that are missing. Look at the guys who are 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, which is the majority of the rotation. And there's where your issue is. It's not Carl Anthony Towns. He's really, really good. Um, So those are all numbers we're going to keep an eye on uh, here moving forward. Finally, today, I want to talk about All-Star Weekend and all the happenings of Sunday. I'm going to give some quick predictions here to round out the show and really, I guess, put a bow in the first half of the season. So that's what we'll do here in a second. First, though, let's talk about our brand new friends at Blue Chew. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets combat all forms of ED and can help men gain extra confidence for when it's time to perform. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple: sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of, a, of one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part. It's all done online. Blue Chew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problem here. Blue Chew's Sildenafil and Tadalafil tablets are chewable. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free. When you use our promo code LOCKEDON at checkout, just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Promo code on to receive your first month free. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. When you need fantasy basketball advice, it's important that you have a reliable source. More people trust Josh Lloyd, host of Locked On Fantasy Basketball, than any other fantasy basketball podcast. Subscribe to the number one fantasy basketball podcast, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, All-Star Weekend or All-Star Sunday. The first competition happening is the Skills Challenge. And the field for the Skills Challenge, let me read it off real quick here, is Robert Covington, Luka Doncic, Chris Paul, Julius Randle, Damana Sabonis and Nikola Vucevic. Um I, you know, there's been bigs that have won this thing recently. Bam Adebayo won last year, uh, Porzingis won a few years ago and then the year before him I believe it was Towns. So, what, 3 of the last 5 years have been bigs that have won. So, I certainly don't want to count out the big men. Um I I actually think Sabonis is going to Well, actually no. I'm going to take Chris Paul to win. I think that Doncic is probably uh I don't know. He might he might be a little too cool to win this competition. I guess is probably the best way to say it. I don't know that Julius Randall's the most well-rounded player to win this competition. Robert Covington, kind of the same thing. Um, you know, he's he's a he's a good player, but this it just doesn't seem like the right profile to be really good at an event like this. Which leaves Vucevic, Sabonis, and Paul. I think Chris Paul might be the right combination of confident, collected. You know, but. I don't think he's too cool for school in this type of an event. I think he'd like to win it. And I think he probably could win it fairly easily. I'm going to go with Paul. If I had to pick a runner up, I would pick Sabonis. I think he's got the right skill set and combination. Again, big men can win this event. So my pick is Paul. My runner up is Sabonis of the six man field. Um, the second event that's happening is the three point contest. I believe it's the dunk contest that's happening at halftime. So the three point contest is, is happening uh pregame. Um, and yeah, of course it is. Cause it's multiple rounds. So the three point contest is before the game. The field for that this year is Devin Booker. Who's won before Steph Curry. Who's won before Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Zach Levine and Donovan Mitchell. This is the first time in history where all six participants in the contest are also all stars this season, which is cool. We're not having, you know, role players who are good shooters, which is fine. But I mean, and obviously a lot of this has to do with, um, trying to keep the same guys there related to this being almost like a COVID-19, like a mini bubble in Atlanta for this, for all-star Sunday. Um, So you've got two defending or not defending, but two former champions. Booker won it three years ago in 2018. Curry won way back in 15. I don't know how many he's been in since then. He obviously hasn't participated every year. He went to been in it last year because he had the injury. Um, So Curry's an obvious answer to win this thing. My pick to win is actually going to be Devin Booker. I think he'll win again. Um, I think he's just got a, re- a nice repeatable shot. I mean, all these guys really do, but his shot is really conducive to this particular competition. My runner-up is Zach Levine. Levine was in it last year. Um, he. This is the sort of thing where it feels like Levine is, I mean, Levine's ultra competitive. He's won the dunk contest twice, of course. He has said he's over-participated in that, but he really wants to win this one. Nobody's ever won the dunk contest and the three-point contest in their career. And Levine has a chance to do that, um, as does Donovan Mitchell, by the way. Um, so I I, I you know, I love Levine to win. He He's probably my preference for a player to win. I think Booker wins. Levine's my number two. So we'll say Booker-Levine won two in this year's three-point contest. Ultimately, that's probably the most star-studded competition of the weekend outside of the game itself. The slam dunk field only has three contestants this year, and uh, one of them's a rookie. That's Cassius Stanley. Then you've got um, Anthony Simons, who is... You know, in his third season and he plays for Portland, but he's a role player type guy. And then Obi Toppin, who is the number eight overall pick by the Knicks this year. Somebody who I talked about early in the draft process is someone I thought the Wolves could target if they ended up third or fourth in the draft and would be a good fit next to Towns. He's played relatively sparingly for the Knicks, but has looked pretty good when he's gotten on the court. He had an injury earlier in the season, a nagging injury. He, of course, led the nation in dunks last year at the University of Dayton, and was the Consensus National Player of the Year. So he's a name, he's somebody who dunked the ball a lot, and he's ultra-athletic. However, while big men can win the skills competition, the last time a big man, a true big man, won the slam dunk competition, you gotta go back to Blake Griffin in 2011, which was 10 years ago, which is, that that piece of this thing is crazy as well. Um, you know, since then, Terrence Ross won, uh, you know, Amadou Diallo and Derek Jones Jr. are guys who have played some, you know, play a little bit of four at times. The last couple of years, uh, they they won in nineteen and twenty respectively. But I mean, if you want to talk about a true big man winning, you're talking Blake Griffin in eleven, Dwight Howard back in 08. It just doesn't happen very often, and and I don't know that this is the year for it with Obi Toppin either. For me, I'm taking the guy with the biggest vertical, who's also not a big man, um, and that is uh, that's Cassius Stanley. He had a forty four inch vertical in the combine, which is tied for the third highest mark since 2000. He's six foot five. He's kind of the in-between size. Sometimes with small guys, it's hard to really, you know, it's hard for people to really understand how impressive it is what they're doing. Same thing with big guys. I think Stanley is, is right in the middle in terms of size. It's oftentimes guys who are six, five, six, 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 seven, who are winning this thing. He's super athletic. Um, I think he's the guy that takes home the trophy. My runner up is going to be Simons. I I think that he would be my second pick, which feels weird because there's only three guys competing and I just picked two of the three, but I'll take going away, I'll take Cassius Stanley as the winner of the dunk contest that's happening at halftime of the all-star game. I don't, you know, the, the teams were just selected shortly before recording this. Um, and I haven't really dove into the teams yet. It's really hard to pick which team is going to win an all-star game. Um, but the game itself will be interesting to watch. They're doing that same format this year with the, uh, the points starting over at the beginning of each of the first three quarters and then playing to a number in the fourth quarter instead of playing against the clock which is fun more playground style uh, more of a playground style to play um and I don't know. It's just an interesting wrinkle and, and we'll see how into it these guys are this year. You know, there's obviously been a lot of outspoken critics of the game itself happening, including many of the guys on the All-Star rosters. So we'll see how this all shakes out. And then on Monday's show, I do want to talk, we'll, we'll spend at least a segment talking about everything that goes down on Sunday, the highlights from All-Star weekend. It is a little weird. There's zero Timberwolves participation. If there was a Rising Stars game, Anthony Edwards would be in it, as I talked about earlier. Um, but no participation in any of the activities that are actually happening, no actual game a um, uh, representation from the Timberwolves, which is the second straight year. That's the case because of Towns injury last year. And then I guess also this year. Um, but hopefully that changes next year. Hopefully Carl Anthony Towns is healthy and I have no doubt he'll make the team if he's healthy next season. And maybe the Wolves will, will see a little bit of a jump from some other guys as well. And, um, and uh, get some participation, some recognition, some, you know, presence at this event moving forward. But it's a Timberwolves list weekend. Still enjoy NBA All-Star Sunday. Um, Monday show, we'll talk about that. And then either Monday or Tuesday, not sure which day yet, but we'll have Matt Shook on from Lockdown Pistons to talk about the second half of the season from a Detroit Pistons perspective, from a Timberwolves perspective, what tanking could look like in the second half, what you know Dwayne Casey and the Pistons are up to since trading Derrick Rose. They they won a game the other night on accident, almost. Um, You know, I think Matt will probably tell us that he's totally fine with the Pistons losing some games. The Timberwolves are in a very different situation, and I'll make sure I'll make it very clear to Matt that uh, Timberwolves fans don't want to see this. Team just lose out the rest of the season. Uh, there needs to be some progress made with the new coach, Carlton Towns, Towns, etc. So all that'll be on Monday or Tuesday show as well. Otherwise, have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy NBA All Star Sunday. That's all we have for you today on Friday's podcast. Of course, you can subscribe to the show anywhere you get podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked T Wolves and at B Beacon. It's B Beacon. Two Bs, two Es, C K E N. If you do listen on iTunes, go ahead and help us out with a five star review. That definitely helps us get in front of more eyes and ears, and it's greatly, greatly appreciated. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.